Thank you, Melanie. If you have your Bible this morning, I invite you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. We began last week to focus a little bit on the life of Moses. And, and most of you know the story of Moses. If you've been in church any time at all, Moses is someone we focus on often because he is the focus of much of the Old Testament. And we've said last week, and you know this already, that Moses was a man of great accomplishments. Uh, he is truly a Bible hero. And we could go through just a laundry list of things that he did, just extraordinary things uh, that Moses was a part of. Perhaps most known, most important, is that he led the people of Israel who were captives in Egypt. He led them to freedom and led them right up to the edge of the promised land, some two million people. Moses was an extraordinary leader. But what was it that made Moses so successful? What was it that made Moses the hero that he is in the Old Testament? Is it perhaps that Moses was a very smart man? Well, I'm sure he had some intelligence, but the Bible never uh, really remarks about his, uh, his intelligence. He, he, he wasn't successful, at least he wasn't uh, distinct because of his intelligence. So was it perhaps some ability that he had? Well, I'm sure Moses had great ability and, and, and he certainly was a man of faith, but, but Moses, there's no real evidence that he had any greater ability than anybody else in the Bible. Was it because of his wealth? No, Moses had nothing. Was it because of his position? No, when Moses began this journey, he was a nobody, he was an outsider. There is only one thing that makes Moses distinct from all the other people who lived in that day. That one thing is that Moses was a man of prayer. When you read the story of Moses, uh, you think about, when you just recall it, you think about all of these big events in his life. But when you read the story of Moses, just read the black words on white paper, what you will come away with is the fact that Moses prayed more than anybody. Every little account of Moses' life, every little twist and turn in his life was a time of prayer. Moses was great because Moses was a great prayer. And so we looked last week in Exodus chapter 17 and we asked the question, how can we pray like Moses? And we saw an account, a historical account where Moses prayed over his people. They were in a battle. They were fighting for their lives. God honored the prayer of Moses and the people were victorious. God was honored. God was glorified. Moses prayed and God responded. But listen, church. As important as that is, that is not mostly what prayer is about. It, as wonderful as it is that we pray and pray specifically for things and ask God for things, that's not the greatest part of prayer. It's not the greatest part of prayer in the time that we spend on it or even in the value. And I know this last week, I've received, I wish I could just stand up here and read the emails to you. I've received so many email testimonies of people who have seen God move in their past. And even this last week, several people who said that God moved in an extraordinary way just these past few days because they were faithful to pray. And that's an encouragement. And that's good. And the Bible commands us to pray like that. And it promises that God will move in response to our prayers. But listen, there is a greater part of prayer. 
And I want us to see that this morning in the life of Moses, that even beyond asking for this or asking for that, Moses knew a greater part of prayer. The other side of prayer, let me just run down a list. Moses and the other side of prayer learned to talk to the Lord face to face. Now we can't pray in the exact same way that he did or won't experience it exactly like he experienced, but Moses had a real face to face, so to speak, relationship with the Lord. Moses heard from the Lord. He heard, he got guidance and direction from the Lord. Moses was comforted by the Lord through prayer when he was going through difficulty. We'll see that this morning. Moses experienced the Lord's glory in a way that nobody from that point at that point had ever experienced. Moses received wisdom and direction, strength, purpose, and inspiration. Moses was a, was a great man of prayer. In fact, this prayer fostered a relationship between Moses and God that is so extraordinary that the Bible says on two different occasions, and this is hard to understand and, and really needs its own sermon, but the Bible says that they had such a relationship that on two different occasions, it seems that Moses changed God's mind. That God thought one thing and was gonna do one thing, and then after a conversation with Moses, God says, okay, now I'm gonna do something different. Now we know, you know, theologically, and we know as we study the rest of scripture that that God's mind never changes. I mean, if you think about something that changes, if something changes, it either gets better or it gets worse, right? If, if you change, you're either better or worse than you were before. God is perfect, so he can't get better and he can't get worse. God never changes. But this relationship that Moses had with God was so extraordinary that, that it even seemed that Moses changed God's mind. So in the account I want us to study this morning, I'm going to begin in Exodus chapter 32, but I'll just tell you the story and then there's a, there are a lot of verses I want to read in chapter 33. But in, in chapter 32, Moses goes up on the mountain uh, to commune with God and to receive the Ten Commandments. The people are waiting below and they're waiting anxiously that that. Moses would bring down these commandments that really established, it confirmed the relationship that they had with God. But it seems that it took longer than they expected. And so they're waiting hour after hour and day after day, and Moses has it returned. And so the people under the leadership of Aaron, who is Moses's lieutenant, they decide that they will pull together all of the gold that they have, and they will make an image that they can worship. And so they make a golden calf and they bow down and they worship this, this statue, this, this, this golden piece of gold shaped like a cow, shaped like a calf. And they said, this is the God that saved us from the Egyptians. Now scholars debate whether they were worshiping a pagan God or whether they were worshiping the one true living God but doing it in the wrong way. But either way, this was terrible. This was blasphemous. God had rescued them and now here they're bowing to a statue. So God sees this and God is angry. Um, God tells Moses, Moses comes down off the mountain. Uh, he breaks the commandments in two. Uh, symbolizing that, uh, that, that God is brokenhearted over the people and that they have put in jeopardy their relationship with God. And so the people uh, repent uh, after a little bit of pressure 
And then that brings us to chapter 33, verse 7. And so here in the last two-thirds of chapter 33, we see a description of prayer that, frankly, church is probably uncommon. Uh, when we think of prayer, this is not what we think about most, most often, but, but this is a beautiful picture of prayer. And it's a lot of verses, but, but let's work through them. It's, all of them are important. It says in Exodus 33, 7, Now Moses took a tent and pitched it outside the camp at a distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And anyone who wanted to consult the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. So Moses sets up this tent. He says, if you want to pray, you go to that tent. God will meet you there. It's the tent of meeting. Verse 8, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand up, each one at the door of his tent, and they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. Everybody knew that Moses had this special relationship with God, and so when word got out, Moses is going to the tent. This is some two million people. Everybody would get out. They wanted to watch, sort of like a, you know, maybe a traffic accident, or, or you hear sirens or something, and everybody wants to look. Everybody wants to see what's going to happen. Moses, y'all, Moses is headed to the tent. Let's watch. Let's see what happens. Verse 9, when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance to the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And so Moses, God would meet Moses at the tent of meeting. And it was such a, such a powerful time. It was such a, such a meeting that there was even a visible manifestation of God uh, coming to Moses. Verse 10, uh, as all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance of the tent, they would stand up, then bow down and worship, each one at the door of his tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Now, imagine that. I mean, we say that we're close to the Lord in prayer, and, and, and I trust that, that we are, that, that, that many people are excelling in their prayer lives. But, but could your prayer really be described like this? Moses, face to face with the Lord, his friend in prayer. It says, then Moses would return to the camp, and his assistant, the young man, Joshua, son of Nun, would, would not leave the inside of the tent. Verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, look, so here's the prayer. Here's the prayer, the conversation between Moses and God. Moses said to the Lord, look, you have told me, lead this people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor with me. Now, let me just give you some context here, because some of this refers back to something that was said in, in chapter 32. God had called Moses to lead the people into the promised land, but because they had sinned so grievously in chapter 32, because they had made this image and worshipped it, God said, I won't go with you. You can go on to the promised land if you want to, but I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay behind because you've broken the covenant with me. And so Moses is pleading with the Lord, you've got to go with us. You've got to go with us. Verse 13, now, if I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways. And I will know you so that I may find favor with you. Now consider that this nation is your people. And so Moses is beginning to try to talk God into going. He says, God, these are your people. You can't abandon them. Verse 14, and he replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That's the response to the Lord. Verse 15, if your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known 
that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us. I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. Moses said, we need you to go because you're our inspiration and you're the way people will know that we're different, that we're your people. Verse 17, the Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked for you have found favor with me and I know you by name. He says, Moses, you found favor with me. There's, there's this relationship and it's a close relationship because uh, the Lord says, I, I know you by name. There's a difference between you know of somebody or you know them by name and they know you by name and here this is that close relationship. Verse 18, then Moses said, please let me see your glory. Now, isn't that an unusual prayer? Let me see your glory. Verse 19, he said, God said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim the name the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And this gets a little strange, he says, but, but he added, you cannot see my face for humans cannot see me and live. The Lord said, here's a place near me. You are to stand on the rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take my hand away and you will see my back, but my face uh, will not be seen. And so very unusual, he says, I will show you my glory. And, and, and much of this we don't understand and, and we can preach a whole separate sermon just on those verses. Uh, but, but God says, I'll show you some of my glory. I'll, I'll, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock as, as the song describes it. And I'll, and I'll put my hand over your face and I'll pass by it. And, and when I'm just about gone, I'll remove my hand and, and you will see just a part of my uh, glory. Listen, church, we should pray for stuff. Okay. Jesus said in the model prayer that we should pray, give me, Lord, my daily bread. If you have a need, pray. People around you have needs, pray. Worried about COVID, pray. We should pray for stuff. But we learn from this that there is so much more that we should aspire to in our walk and our prayer with the Lord. So let me show you. Let's go back through this just quickly this morning. Let me show you three blessings to the other side of prayer. Not asking for stuff as important as that is, but the other side of prayer. Three, three blessings that, that we see in the passage we've read. First of all, we will receive God's wisdom. Now look back at verse 13, and you're going to want to keep your Bibles open. I'm going to refer back to this, and I want you to be able to, to go back to these verses Verse 13, the first part says, now if I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways. See, Moses said, Lord, I need you to tell me which way to go. Moses said, I want to be a wise leader. I want, to, I want to be able to serve the people. I want to make good decisions. And my only hope, Lord, is for you to show me. Moses understood that one of the most important purposes of prayer, not just to ask for stuff, but it is to gain the wisdom of the Lord. You know, we're going through this life pretty blindfolded. None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? 
Would anybody have guessed last year that this is what life would be like this year or even a month ago or a week ago? None of us know what's going to happen next. We don't have any real idea about the future. And if you've ever thought that that was not true, you know now it is true. None of us know the future. And none of us really know what other people are going to do. Even if I knew exactly what I was going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day, there are all kinds of people around me. I don't know what's in their heart. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what my family's going to do. I don't know what people at church are going to do. I don't know what people in my neighborhood are going to do. We, don't, we, just, we just don't know. And we don't really even know uh, the evil in our hearts, what we might be capable of and, 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 and what, what temptations we might we might encounter in a, from a place of weakness. We, we don't really even know ourselves. We're going through this world blindfolded. How can we make decisions? How can we possibly make decisions about career and health and, and church and, and finances and relationships? How can we make a decision with so many unknowns? Well, Moses would say, you need to be a man of prayer because when you pray, God will give you wisdom. The reason Moses, one of the wisest men in the Bible, one of the greatest leaders in the Bible is because he prayed. And if we're going to be successful, if we're going to be wise, we must be people of prayer. Have you noticed? I want to be careful when I say this because God has chosen different paths for different people. And some people God has just chosen for you to go down a hard, difficult path so that you can serve him and bring glory to him in some special way. But have you noticed that some people just seem to make better decisions than other people? Have you noticed, especially when you get a little later in life and you have more life to look back on, more years, and you can see more of the consequences of your decisions, have you noticed some people just seem to make better decisions than other people? Some people marry the right person. Some people take the right job. Some people buy the right house. Some people make the right friends. It just seems that some people are pretty good at making decisions. And it seems like some people aren't. You know what I mean? It just seems like some people, they just, they just don't get it right all the way through life. They just tend to choose the wrong things. What's the difference between a person of wisdom and a person who lacks wisdom? I believe it comes down to that person's prayer life. I, I, I think when you when you encounter a person who just for a lifetime has seemed to make the wrong decision, wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision, you're looking at a person who does not have a deep prayer life, a, an abiding walk with the Lord, because that's, that's the source of wisdom. And the Bible says this all the way through. Those people who, who pray more have more wisdom. James chapter one, verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. God's never selfish. He's never stingy with wisdom. And the people who put in the work, the people who have the heart and the passion for the Lord expressed in prayer are going to be wise people. And it'll show up in a thousand ways in their, in their lives. And so the other side of prayer well, one blessing is we receive the wisdom of God. The second thing is we experience the presence of God. Now, if, if you look back at verse 15, chapter 33, verse 15, uh, Moses said, if your present does not go, 
Uh, Moses responded, uh, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord answered, I will do this very thing you have asked for you have found favor with me and I know you by name. Through the prayer of Moses, Moses experienced, not just in the time of prayer, but even beyond the time of prayer, a, the presence of God in a special way. In fact, Moses knew it when the presence of God wasn't there. And Moses said, I, I, I can't go. We, we can't march on without your presence. Why did Moses have such uh, a... Um, uh, recognition and such a desire and such an experience of the presence of God. It is rooted in his prayers over and over and over. Moses prays, I want to know your presence. I want to experience your presence. I need you with me. And the Lord was with him. And the Lord was with him because of prayer. It makes this so clear. Uh, God's presence does so much for us. We see some of these noted here. First of all, it gives us assurance Assurance. So many people today, especially in this time of crisis, I'm getting calls and people are reaching out. So many people just don't have an assurance. They wonder, where is God? Where is God's hand? Where is God's comfort? I, am I a child of God? People, people are struggling with an assurance of the love and, and presence of God. But, but notice what, what Moses said. Moses said, if you don't go with us, then how will we know and how will others know that we're yours? We need your presence. When you have the presence of God, you will have full assurance. It also gives us inspiration. I, I think this is important. Moses said, if you don't go with us, Lord, if you're not going to go with us to the promised land, they were headed to the promised land. He says, Moses, uh, Lord, if you're not going to go with us to the promised land, then we don't even want to go. We don't want to go. If we can't, if you're not going to go with us, we don't want, we don't want to go here. There are a lot of things to learn perhaps from that, but, but here's one of those, the inspiration, the aspiration, the ambition to want to do something for the Lord, the, the desire to, to, to bring greater honor to God, this holy discontentment that we have with where we are. I want to be better and I want to do more and I want to serve God more. Where does that come from? It comes from prayer. It comes from the presence of God. Moses said, if I, when I have your presence, God, I want to go on. When I don't have your presence, I don't want to do anything. When I meet someone who has, who has no holy ambition, I'm not talking just about business ambition or, or, or family ambition, and, and, and those are different things. But, but when I meet somebody that doesn't want to stretch and serve God more, someone who's just, just satisfied with the way their life is and the sin that's in their lives, when I see people that, that aren't pushing, that aren't, that, that aren't wanting this to, to, to bring more glory to God, I know I'm talking to a person who hasn't practiced the presence of God. When, and, and, and here's how I know that. That may sound arrogant. Pastor, you're just judging other people. You're saying if somebody doesn't want to serve more and do more, then there's somehow problem with them. Listen, I, I, I tell you that both from Scripture and then from my own life. Because I know when, I'm, when I do not practice the presence of God, when I don't pray and just spend time with God, even when I don't have anything to ask for, when I don't practice the presence of God, I, I'm just content. Not content in a good way, content in a bad way. I, I don't want to push harder. I don't want to live for greater glory for the Lord. I don't, I don't want to do more. 
But when I practice the presence of God, he sets me on fire. He sets me on fire. Uh, uh, inspiration comes from the presence of God. Joy, I, I've got a whole list. Uh, Psalm 1611, you reveal the path of life to me in your presence is abundant joy. You're struggling with a lack of joy. Foster your prayer life. Rest. He says here in verse 14, and he replied, God replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now this isn't physical rest. In fact, they were about to go on a, on a hike for 40 years. I mean, this, this was a, a hard life, but, but he's talking about the rest that comes when, when the presence of God is so strong that we know we don't have to worry, we don't have to fear, we, we, we don't have to wonder about tomorrow because God is with us. You know, we, sometimes I see little, little kids uh, walking somewhere and, and they're holding their, their dad's hand. And those little, little kids, little boys, little girls, when they're, when they're on a walk with their dad and they're holding his hand, they, you know, they don't have a care in the world, right? They're, they're not worried about, is a car going to run over me? They're, they're not worried about, can dad pay the mortgage this month? They're not worried, am I going to get cancer and die? They're, they're not worried about COVID or, 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 or China or, 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 or geopolitical problems. No, because they're in the presence of their dad. See, that's the way I want to live. I mean, there are all kinds of problems around us. And, and, and we could focus on those problems and we could be the most miserable people in the world. But I just want to practice the presence of God through prayer so that I, I would just know I'm with the Lord. I'm with the Lord. And, and when you're with the Lord, you have rest. Jesus said it this way, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And so if, if we turn to the other side of prayer. We receive the wisdom of God. We experience the presence of God. And then finally, we understand God's character. So this is, this we see in this last unusual part of the story. You read it in verse 18 again, where, where Moses prays the, the most unusual prayer. We ought to pray this prayer. Lord, show me your glory. Lord, show me. What does that mean? Show me your power. Show me who you are. Show me your holiness and your righteousness. Show me your grace and mercy. Lord, I want to see you for who you are. Show yourself. Show yourself. And so Moses, Moses prayed that prayer. Now, the details of this, I think, sometimes distract us from, uh, from the truth. Uh, and the details are true, but, but sometimes we, we spend too much time trying to imagine how is God going to walk by if God's a spirit? You know, God doesn't have legs and feet or wear shoes. What does it mean that God puts his hand over, um, over Moses when God is a spirit and doesn't have a hand? And why does it matter that Moses saw the back of him and not the front of him? Is one side of God more glorious than the other? I mean, there's just a lot of questions that'll just... The, the, the details we can't understand. This describes a scene, it's a true scene and a true description, but this describes something that's just so far outside of our experience. We, we don't know exactly what happened detail-wise, but here's what we can learn. When Moses was shown the glory of God, he was able to see three things. He first of all saw God's goodness. Look at verse 19. He said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you he saw the goodness of the Lord. When we foster a prayer life, when we spend time praying and we learn to pray more and we spend more time in prayer, that beyond give me this and help me with that, and we foster this relationship with God through prayer, 
Listen, that's when you'll know the goodness of God. Have you, have you noticed? And, and I, I experienced it just walking around here this morning. I could point out some people here that just encouraged me. Uh, I walked around and of course we're, we're in the middle of pandemic and, and, and you know, that's not a surprise to anybody and there, there are hard times and people are fearful of the future. And, but, but, but several people said, as I was just walking through and greeting people this morning, saying, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but the Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. And, and you know, sometimes we, we hear that and we just think, well, that's just a flippant thing to say. You know, maybe you ought to read the headlines. What do you mean the Lord is good? Well, when a person says that most of the time, that is an expression, that is a confidence that has come out of a life of prayer. That even if the whole world seems to be falling apart, you have this quiet confidence, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. You don't get that from reading a book. You don't get that from just coming to church. You get that from prayer. You see the glory of God, the goodness of God. You see the greatness of God. If you look further into verse 19, and this is... This threw me as I was studying it. He says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name the Lord before you. Now, what does it mean that the Lord will say, hey, I'm the Lord? If I said, listen, I want to proclaim my name. I'm, my name is Noel, and I am the Noel, okay? I mean, that just doesn't even make good grammar sense. What's God saying? He, he's talking about his greatness. He says, Moses, I will remind you that I am God. I mean, you're worried about the people and Aaron, and you're worried about uh, the Anakites that you're going to have to fight, and you're worried about who knows the directions to the promised land, like my GPS isn't working, how are we going to feed all of these people, what about the snakes that have been coming out of the sand? I mean, Moses is worried about all kinds of things, and God says, listen, I just want you to remind, I just want you to remember, I'm God. There's not a problem too big. There's not, a, there's not a problem that's even difficult for me to solve. I'm God, the greatness of God. You, you only know, truly understand the greatness of God if you're a person of prayer. And then finally, grace. He says here in the passage that we read, the end of verse 19, I will show uh, compassion on whom I will have compassion. I'll be gracious to who I will be gracious to, and, and I will be compassionate to whomever I will be compassionate to. It's interesting here, he doesn't say, I'll be gracious to those who deserve it. I'll be compassionate to those who deserve it. No, he says, my compassion is not based on whether you deserve it. My compassion is based on me. I, I will be gracious to whom I choose to be gracious, and I will be compassionate to whom I choose to be compassionate. God says to Moses, though he could not have fully understood this, my grace, my compassion doesn't depend upon you. It depends upon me. And we understand that from our perspective because we have more uh, revelation. We have the New Testament. We know about Jesus and his sacrifice that that the way God shows compassion and grace is not based on us, but it's based on what Jesus has done for us. What a, what a remarkable uh, encouragement and assurance that, that, that just rings true in the heart and life of the person who, who is consistent in his prayer, that if we will put our trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, we will surrender to him, then he will show compassion and grace, not because of us, but because of himself of himself. When I, when I read the story of Exodus 17, that's what we focused on last week. If when you pray, God responds, that motivates me to want to pray for things. But when I see this passage in Exodus 33, 
and I see this relationship that Moses had with God, I'm motivated. I want to be a man of wisdom. I want to know joy. I want to have peace in difficult times. This motivates me, not just to pray for something, but I want to be a man of prayer. I want us to be a church filled with people who are men and women of prayer. Why was Moses uh, arguably the greatest leader in the Old Testament? Because he prayed. There are a lot of things I can't do. I'll never, you know, run a run a fast race. I'll never be able to dunk a basketball. I'll never uh, be able to solve some some equation, perhaps. But I can pray. And that's what made the difference for Moses. And I want the same difference to be made in my life. Just with your head bowed and eyes closed. Father in heaven, as we respond just in a brief time of invitation, uh, I, I pray that you will challenge us to be people of prayer. Challenge us to be people of prayer. Let us embrace you in that special way today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you to stand. And if you're watching from home, hang with us. we got a big announcement.